Hello, welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast. In this week's Adult Bible Studies, we continue our series Beyond Sunday, taking our faith from Sunday to Monday through Saturday. And this week we talked about the next three fruits of the Spirit, long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness. So without further ado, here is this week's Adult Bible Study. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5 to start. I should have had a handout for you, but I don't. And so we'll start in Galatians 5. I will have some other verses that you'll have to, uh, I probably won't have you turn to all of them or maybe any of them, I don't know, but you'll have to take my word for it. Maybe you have them memorized or maybe um, you'll have to double check me later. But let's, we are going to be in Galatians chapter number 5. We have spent the, we spent about six weeks talking about our flesh, talking about this world, talking about the devil talking about sanctification. That has been the theme of this series, taking our faith beyond Sunday, when everybody looks right, everybody smiles right, everybody sings, but actually living it out Friday, or excuse me, Monday through Saturday, living out our faith and seeing more victory than we do defeat. That has been the series. We've talked about the Holy Spirit who brings about this change. We've talked about how it is us yielding to the Spirit by faith that brings about the change. It's not do better, do better work. That would be like us trying to pick up the plow. But we have seen how the struggles of life bring out sometimes the worst in us. And I haven't mentioned it in a few weeks, but we use that uh, illustration of a tea bag. And when you put that hot water in there, what comes out is the tea. And if you don't like the tea, um, then change the tea. And a lot of times in the hot water situations of our life, what comes out we know is not necessarily line up with the Bible. But we keep blaming everything else. And the problem is, no, it just came from within. And so what we need to do is get back to walking in the Spirit, which has been the theme of the last couple of weeks. Taken from Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Very simple. Sounds simple, right? Just walk in the Spirit. You're not going to fulfill the flesh. Everybody's going to do great. But, verse 17, the flesh lusteth or wars against the Spirit. And the Spirit against the flesh. And these are the contrary one to another that you cannot do the things that you would. Every day you're in a battle. This morning you're in a battle. Did, uh, let, let's just be a little bit honest. You're not going to have get de- get details today, but did anyone so far this morning already feel a temptation to get in your flesh instead of the spirit, just getting ready for church or anything like that? Anybody else? You guys are great. You're all. We got a couple of you. Thank you, Nikki, for breaking the ice. Nikki's like, yep, that was me. Me too, Nikki. All right, because my alarm just kept going off, and I thought I hit the one thing off, and I just kept going, and just all kinds of stuff in the morning that's trying to hinder it. We all can. Now, the rest of you are taking the lessons good, and you're learning it, and I'm glad you are. But you're all liars, too. But no. No, I'm kidding, Mr. You especially, Mr. All right. So, the flesh lusts or wars against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. They're contrary one to another so that you cannot do the things you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under law. And then we have that lesson. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Here's what will eventually come out of just living in the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, four sexual sins, right off the bat. Then he goes into idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. So he's saying, this isn't an exhaustive list. There's more. I'm just going to stop right here. I think he got tired of writing in the 
all of these sins. And so he just stopped right there at that point. But then in verse 22 is where we started, because this is where we ought to be. And when you and I do as we've been talking about, and we get back to walking with God, we keep a sensitive heart to God, we're getting into His Word, we're allowing God's Word to, to change our lives. When all of this is taking place, and the heart, the ground of our heart is fertile and ready, then we can begin to see. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is. And last week we looked at love, joy, and peace. Probably the three most famous of the fruit of the Spirit. We talked about team love, joy, and peace, and the opposite is selfishness, frustration, and worry. Now, if I had to ask you, I'm not going to have you raise your hand on this one. If this week, have you been on team love, joy, and peace, or have you found yourself more with selfishness, frustration, and worry? That's kind of how we're viewing this. And I hope, my prayer is this week, that you have been more sensitive to the fact that when you're frustrated, you're going, oh, I'm frustrated. And that's the flesh. Now, I was asked a question afterwards, or, or maybe a statement was made to me, which got me thinking last week, and I want, so I want to backtrack a little bit. Do you know some frustrations are actually okay? You say, what do you mean? Remember the Bible says in Ephesians, be angry and sin not. Now, when you and I hear angry, we automatically think wrong. But the Bible does say be angry and sin not. And there are some situations, I think, when you can be frustrated and sin not. We can be frustrated with a rebellious child. You're just frustrated. You can be frustrated with a coworker that's not doing their job. But there's a difference between being frustrated towards a sin and then reacting wrong. Okay? Just like be angry and sin not. Well, you can be angry about sin, but don't don't react wrong. You can be frustrated about some sins that are going on, or a child that's rebellious, or like I said, a coworker that's not doing their job, that's understandable when you're frustrated over those. But if I come home and take out my frustrations on her because of what's happening at work, now I'm frustrated and I sin. Or if, if my coworker at work is doing some things wrong and I lash out at them in a hateful way instead of handling it the right way, now my frustrations have become sin. And so there are some things that we, we understand that are going to be frustrating, but don't allow the frustration to take us to sin. And so those are the first three fruit of the Spirit, probably the most famous, but I love these, the next two that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about three today, but I love the next two. All right, so look in your Bibles. Look at it. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, not selfishness, joy, not frustration, peace, not worry. But then look at this next one, long-suffering. There was a guy checking his bags at the airport, and the guy that was taking the bags was on the other end of some, some hateful speech, and the guy was just, just letting him have it. I mean, he, was getting, he didn't like this, how he was handling his bags. He didn't like what he was, uh, probably what he was wearing. I mean, the guy was just lashing out at him, lashing at him, calling him all kinds of names, just hateful to him. And the man checking the bags, to his credit, stayed very quiet. Didn't, didn't say a thing. Just kept doing it. And the guy was hateful to him, hateful to him, hateful to him. Just kept doing it. And he got done. Finally, that guy walked off, and he was still spewing things at him. And he walked off, and this little lady walked up next. She goes, sir, I just got to ask, how did you stay so calm when this guy was so hateful to you? And he said, oh, it's pretty easy. He said, that guy, he's going to New York, but his bags are going to Brazil. <laughs> and that's... That's not long-suffering, all right? That's not long-suffering. I love that. I love that, but it is not long-suffering. 
So what is long-suffering then? It's actually a great word. A lot of uh, different versions will translate it patience, but it's really not patience. It's a form of patience. It's a synonym with patience, but, but long, it's closely related to it. But it's, it's a combination of patience and forbearance. That's what these two words are. When you get patience and forbearance together, it has a little bit different meaning. Patience has the idea of how you're handling trials, how you're handling difficult situations when it comes to that trials in your life, which may be included in this. But long-suffering has the idea of dealing with people who are provoking you in circumstances. That's long-suffering. That's so it's defined as long-suffering. That's not a synonym for marriage. So do not make that joke, all right? Don't, we're not allowing that joke to happen here, all right? Long-suffering is not another word for marriage. But long-suffering does mean dealing with people who are provoking. So some other definitions are this. Steadfast endurance while you are wronged without anger or revenge. Now, this is difficult because we feel justified. If someone wrongs us, I mean, you wronged me. So whatever comes back is what you should be getting. But the that's not the word long suffering is willing to be to be wronged i think about jesus and we'll come to this in a second but his the long suffering that he showed at the cross another definition has got the idea of courage courageous excuse me endurance without quitting courageous endurance without quitting when you're wrong do you want to quit you want to throw up your, your your hands you want to get frustrated another definition slowness to seek revenge Man, that is, that is difficult. If you, maybe some of you just said, you never had anybody that just provokes you. You've just never had that, that thorn in the flesh. And so you're like, yeah, you know what? Patience in trials is more for me. But if you've ever had someone that provokes you, <laughs> then this one is a convicting thought. And so the opposite, because a lot of times we've been looking at the opposites. Like I've said, the opposites of love, joy, and peace. The opposite of long-suffering is being quick-tempered. And if you just think about that, long-suffering, quick temper. And so the quick temper is, as soon as you do something to me, we're ready to throw down. We're, we're, we are ready to fight. I've played on some basketball teams with guys like that, and Ryan has too. And uh, that the, the smallest of things happens, and they are going to absolutely explode. I remember uh, in high school, just one kid... A friend of mine shot a basketball at, uh, at lunch. We could we'd get done eating. We'd go play basketball, and he shot a basketball, and he airballed it, and it hit this kid in the head. And that kid got furious because everybody started laughing. Got furious. Lunch was over. We go back to our locker, and this kid came out of nowhere, hit him, knocked him up against the locker, bloodied his head. He hit the locker, was bleeding everywhere, just started punching him, had a like three other guys jump on him as well. I guess he couldn't handle them himself. And we're doing it all because he got embarrassed because an air ball, an accident, hit him in the head. And he had a quick temper and he had to lash out. And, I mean, I think the uh, I think the kid got suspended and ple- all kinds of crazy stuff happened years ago. But quick temper. And the idea, the opposite also, not only of losing our temper, but is getting even. And, and the idea that I've got to get even, no matter what it is, I'm going to get even with you. I'm going to do something back to you. You did this to me. I'm going to do this to you. We see it in kids, do we not? I see it in my own kids sometimes when one will do something, the other one's got to do something back, and now you've got a a situation that's not great. But the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, it says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give 
give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. We have to, we have to get to a place in our life where you're, you give this to God and say, God, you have to take care of this. You have to take care of this. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Now, this isn't easy. None of these fruits are going to be easy because remember this, none of this is going to come natural to you. Even though you may think so, none of us are in this room going to be like, yeah, this, this is just natural for me. Okay, wait till somebody does something to you and we'll see how natural it is. These are the fruits of the fruit of the Spirit. We need the Spirit's help with this because when we are provoked, the pride in us wants to come back. The, the pride in us wants to say, you're not going to do that to me. I'm going to do this back to you. But the Bible says the vengeance is mine. God says, I will repay, saith the Lord. Verse 20 of that, Romans 12 says, Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. I'm going to give you 21 in a second. It's a great verse. But think about that. If your enemy hunger, feed him. No. If my enemy hungers, laugh. That's what I think. If my enemy hungers, point out every reason why they're hungering. Because you are terrible with your finances. Because of this. Because of this. Because of this. But if your enemy hunger, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them a drink. That's opposite of our nature. But the opposite of our nature, our nature is only going to lead to those works of the flesh. The Spirit of God, when we yield to Him, even when provoked, we can be long-suffering. But we need the Holy Spirit's help. We need the Holy Spirit's help. Without being detailed, I can say I have a provoker in my life about every day of my life. I have a provoker. Every day. Almost. And so, this has become a fruit of the Spirit to me that has been very challenging. Most mornings when I'm driving to work, I pray, God, you have to avenge this. That's been my prayer most mornings. So this one, I'm trying not to get super personal in this, but this one has become a challenge to me because of provoking that can happen in my life. And it's not my wife, by the way. She's, she's pretty good. She's pretty good. Only every other day for her. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And so, but, but I heard of another story. A story about a woman. Dad probably told this one. About the woman that was bitten by a mad dog. Did you hear about this one? Did Dad tell the story? The woman was bitten by this mad, crazy dog. It looked like she was going to die of rabies. So the doctor told her, she, you know, he says, you really need to make your will. And so she took a pen out and paper. She began to write. and She began to write some things. And the doctor said, uh, the doctor said, well, surely you're making your will, right? She said, no, I'm making all the list of people I want to bite now that I've got these rabies. <laughs> now, opposite of this, what we're supposed to be doing, all right? The, the Bible says that we are to be long-suffering. And a great illustration of this in the Bible is, is Joseph. What do we know about Joseph? Remember, Joseph had done no wrong, but he was, he was going to be killed by his brothers, wasn't he? Originally, that was the original plan. I think, was it Reuben that said, hey, we can't kill him. And they put him down in this pit. And while Reuben was away, they decided, well, let's just sell him as a slave. And they sold him as a slave. And so now they sell him as a slave. And he's, and he's taken from his home. Then they lied. They killed a, a goat. And they put blood on his, his fancy coat that his dad made for him. And, and he, they lied. And so now for 13 years, he's over as a slave and going through all kinds of difficulties. Lied about by, a, by this lady, uh, his master's wife thrown into prison, 
forgotten while he's in prison. All of these bad things are happening to him. And then after 13 years, here comes his brothers. And, and I fast forward through a lot, but there's his brothers. They don't recognize him because he's speaking in Egyptian. He's dressed like an Egyptian now. He has been fast forwarded by God. God's hand was with him. Now he's second in command. And they come, and just like his dream said 13 years ago, they fall on their face before him. This is the perfect opportunity to get revenge. This is it. Oh, you can kill him. You can, you can throw, have him thrown in prison. You can rebuke them for what they've done to you. And they were wrong. So you're justified in thinking that, in the, except for, which he didn't have this part of the Bible yet, but except for vengeance is God's. But everything else, I mean, you got justification. Everything they did was wrong. You have the position, the power. Just get your revenge. And instead, he wept later. He played a few little jokes, which was fun. I mean, the, put the, he put a silver cup in their bag, and he did a few little things that I thought was pretty creative. But in the end, he wept. He hugged them. He gave them money. He gave them food. He said, is my dad still alive? He re in everything. And they were, remember his brothers were like, uh-oh, we're dead. We are absolutely dead. He is going to kill us now. But he didn't. The, one, a beautiful picture of long suffering. And remember last week when we were talking about love, because these fruit of the spirit blend together. Do you remember when we went to 1 Corinthians chapter 13? It says, charity suffereth long. See, love is the foundation for all of these. But charity is willing to suffer long. And that's the idea behind this. That is exactly what Joseph did. But that's also exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. God was long-suffering. It says in 2 Peter 3.15, says, And an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. It talks about the long-suffering of the Lord. God's long-suffering toward us motivated by his love for us, sent him to, to die for us, to save us from our sins. So long-suffering is seen in its love. It says in Ephesians 4.2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. It's an expression of long-suffering is seen in its joyfulness. It says in Colossians 1.11, strengthen with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with Joyfulness, And I think this is an important point because sometimes we can think, all right, I will be long-suffering, but I'm going to be the most miserable person in the world. Like, fine. All right, God, I can't hardly cross my arms in a suit, but if I could and not cover that microphone up, just picture this pouting boy, just like maybe your kids, arms crossed, lip down, fine, I'll just be long-suffering, but God, you better get that vengeance quick. I mean, you better get it quick and just throw in a fit. That's not long-suffering. Because long-suffering has with it Love and joyfulness. And I hate this point. I do. Because if someone wrongs us, why should we want to be joyful and why should we want to be kind, loving? Kind is our next one. We ought to just say, hey, God, let's go ahead and work this out. Just get it. The Bible says that long-suffering is accompanied by love and joyfulness. And that's exactly what God showed toward us. And that's why this is a fruit of the Spirit. It's why it's a character of God. Because Jesus could have sought revenge and freed himself, but he loved us so much and he knew he had to endure the cross for our sins. 
Hebrews 12.2 says, For who the joy that was set before him endured the cross with joy. With joy he endured the cross. Christ endured the joy because he was motivated by love. He endured with joy and he was motivated by love. So how are we doing with long-suffering? You ever have, if you have someone that provokes you, I want you to think about this through the Spirit long-suffering. Because we're, you're going to need the Spirit's help with this. It's not going to be a natural tendency for you or me. But then the next one is probably my favorite. And, and we're going to actually do two together. The next one is gentleness. You notice what it says there, long-suffering in, verse, in, chapter, in verse 22. And then it says gentleness and goodness. And these are the last two we're going to look at. But gentleness is maybe one of my, my, one of my favorites. But uh, gentleness, it's, we, we live in a very harsh world today. The opposite of gentleness is harshness. We live in an unkind society. Uh, someone here may remember this. I know Ryan will. Game 6 of 2003 National League Championship between the Florida Marlins and Chicago Cubs. I was down at college in Pensacola. Do you remember what happened? Fan by the name of Steve Bartman. Steve Bartman accidentally interfered with the outfielder Moises Alou and his attempt to catch the fly ball. We weren't allowed to have TVs at college, but they let us watch this game. And so I was, I think I was, actually I was listening to it. And so I was listening to this at PCC and uh, I heard it and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. What just happened here? And so I was furious. I wanted to get vengeance on this kid, but I was just doing it naturally, just like as a little thing. But I didn't realize how bad it was going to get for Steve Bartman. And I was reading some things on this. Steve Bartman, after he he interfered with that, and the Cubs end up losing the game, they lost the series. The police department had to guard his house around the clock because people actually wanted to do him bodily harm. And. I remember reading some articles on that. They, his life was threatened. I mean, he was, he was scared to death. That kid walking around, he was scared to death. But we live in an unkind society today. And this fruit of the Spirit is, is one of, it's gentleness. What is gentleness? The word gentleness means kindness. It's being generous and it's being kind. And I think that we, we often look at this one as a weak Fruit, a weak way of handling ourselves, a weak, a weak dis, um, display of, of a man if you were tried to be gentle. But I think that, that there are ways that we should dis, display gentleness that are absolutely biblical. And they're the, they're the ways that I think Christ handled himself on this earth. And, and so let's, I want to talk about some ways to show gentleness. And I wrote a couple things down. Gentleness is displayed in our sensitivity. Now you say sensitivities. I mean, you're just crying all the time, and that's no, no, no. It's not what I'm saying. But what I mean is, we are sensitive to the burdens of others. That's kindness. You're sensitive to the needs of other people. So there's needs of people in our church. We ought to be sensitive to the needs of those that are in our church. We ought to. It ought to bother us, concern us when someone's not feeling well, when someone's sick, when someone's going through a difficult time. There we ought. There ought to be a sensitive in us sensitivity in us to the needs or the hurts of others now some have this natural a little bit more natural disposition to this i think there's actually a gift listed in romans chapter 12 in the in the gifts of the church one of them is mercy and so some of you are gifted in this way you just are my wife is just a merciful person you work if you work in assisted living or nursing homes or things like that by nature 
often you have a gift of mercy. You can just help people that cannot help themselves and you enjoy it. Others of us are not as good at that. My wife, I think I can tell the story because I won't tell who, I don't even know. Uh, we have some of the most interesting conversations about her job. And one time in her, in, I won't, it, just in her office, she walks in and, and uh, someone had decided to use the bathroom all over her papers in her office. And uh, it wasn't number one, so I'll just put it that way. And it was all right there. And so with a very sweet disposition, understanding this person doesn't know what they're doing, and, and uh, even though she's the executive director, and I 100% would have been like, find someone else and have them come clean this up. She's cleaning it up and has someone else over there cleaning it up, taking care of it. I am puking at work just thinking about it. I mean, I just can't, I cannot, I cannot, I can't do that stuff. There's just no way. Now, obviously this person, there's no, there's no ill will towards this person. There's nothing, they, they don't know what they're doing. But just that there's some people that just are, are very merciful when it comes to that. But they're sensitive to the needs of others. And there's people that have needs in our church. But to be sensitive to the needs of others, you have to be able to listen. And we have to get our eyes off ourselves. And why I think our society struggles so much with kindness and gentleness is because we're so focused about ourselves. I want to make sure that I'm set up pretty good and I want to make sure things are nice around me. And if things are uncomfortable to me, then I'm going to get harsh towards you. I'm going to react in a frustrated way. But kindness is sensitive to the burdens of others. And even in our home, we've got to be careful of the words. I, I, one of my favorite verses, unknown verses, if maybe you've heard me talk about it before, maybe not. But there's a little verse at the end of, of Proverbs chapter 16. I think it's 23, but I may have got that wrong. But Proverbs 16 just says this. Here's all it says. The sweetness of lips increaseth learning. And that has been one of those verses that has just been a, it's been a guide to me in my life. Because I've, I don't believe, I don't believe that to get your point across, you have to raise your voice or get hateful. I don't, I don't believe that. So one of my just, just, just a basic everyday principle of my life is in that verse, and I don't talk about it a lot, because I believe that sweetness of lips or the kindness with your words can motivate people just as much as screaming and yelling and being hateful to them. And so I can get home today and say, Michelle, where's dinner at? Are you, what did you, you didn't have a plan for lunch? Wow, way to go. Now what are we going to do? Let me guess, you want to go to Mexican? I can be really hateful. <laughs> and guess what? We're probably, and I could get, maybe I could try to get more hateful. That, that even felt weird to me, to be honest with you. But, but we could probably, get, she'll probably get some lunch done if I sound scary enough and hateful enough and mean enough. Or if I could say, hey, what's the plan for lunch today? And she's like, oh, I don't have a plan. I was like, oh, can I help you make something? Or what, what do you want to do? Want me to think of it? And I come in a kind way. You know what she's probably going to do? She's going to be feel more, more motivated to say, you know what? No, I'll do it. Don't worry about it. So it's a great plan, guys. Just be nice. No, that's good. Either that or just mess it up royally and they'll never ask you. No. But I'm just saying sweetness of lips increaseth learning. That means your kindness in your words will get you a lot farther than being hateful. But we live in a society that thinks they're tougher by being harsh. And that personality goes opposite of my personality. And it makes me stubborn and very sarcastic when that happens. But it doesn't get you anywhere. And you work with, I mean, you may work with people like that, but gentleness is, is displayed in a sensitivity and a kindness. In church, 
in your home, with your words, but it's also displayed in sympathy, in not only sensitivity, but in sympathy. Romans 12, back to that passage I read earlier when we talked about long-suffering, it's got, it's got some great practical truths in Romans 12, but it also says this, it says, Rejoice with them that rejoice, and weep with them that weep. That is a, that's another term for sympathy. Showing sympathy. Rejoice. If someone's rejoicing, rejoice with them. I mean, that's a great thing. But if someone's weeping, be willing to weep with them as well. That's a form of gentleness towards that person. You're, you're, you're meeting them where their needs are or where their rejoicing is. Show sympathy during times when the, with those that are hurting. And then gentleness is not a weakness. It's absolutely not a weakness. Gentleness is being able to speak the truth and do it in love. It is strength under control. I, I love having kids. I really do. And, I, and they always, the boys, I don't do it as much now, but they used to want to wrestle with me all the time. Now they're both, they just wrestle with each other. But when I used to wrestle with my boys, you now you can get really smart, Alec, here. All right. You can get really smart, Alec. But I'm, I'm uh, 5'11", 200 plus. That's all you need to know. All right. My boys, my oldest probably tops out at about 75 pounds. All right. So he's not in my weight class. So if I'm wrestling my boys, who do you think is going to win? Don't get smart, Alec, all right? Just kidding. I can take those guys like it's nothing, all right? But when we wrestle and they'll get me down and they think they're winning. Like, oh, I got you, Dad. And I'm just like, oh, no, you got me. Now, in one little pink, I mean, they're gone. These guys are little scrawny wimps right now. I'm trying to toughen them up. They're gone. But they think they've got Dad down. And, oh, I got you. And they got me by the leg and I'll fall down and all this. What is that? That's, that's what you call strength under control. You, I mean, I could obliterate those kids. But I'm not going to because I, because I love them. No smart comments in the front here now, all right? It's called strength under control. It's what you do with your kids. But that's, that's what gentleness is. Gentleness may have the idea, it's got the idea of, listen, I'm not, it's not a weakness, but I choose to speak the truth in love. I choose to, to have show a kindness. But gentleness is, you can think of the word kindness, but then there's the other word, the other fruit of the Spirit, goodness. And the opposite of this one is kind of like gentleness. Gentleness, I would say, is harsh, but goodness is not the, the idea of meanness is the opposite in a sense. While, and goodness is love and action. So last week we talked about love, but now goodness is when love takes action. It's, it means uprightness of heart. Now we know the Bible says that no man is naturally good. Romans chapter 3 says that is written, there is none righteous, no not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. Verse 12, they're all gone out of the way. They're all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no not one. So no man is naturally good. So whenever you hear somebody say, our society, I was, they're, they're, they're just, they're going to be getting better. We're naturally good. No one is naturally good. Romans 3, Romans 1. No one's naturally good. So we need God's help. We need the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, to be good, to act in a loving way. It's one way to say we love, but goodness takes that love that we say we're motivated by and puts it into action. It goes and it sends the letter. It goes and it, it helps someone that has a need. It, love, it's the action that love takes. That is goodness. And we're commanded to be good unto all men. Galatians 6 says, As we have therefore opportunity... So the question is, do we have opportunity? I'm going to read the rest of the verse, but I, want, I don't want you to miss that because I read it fast. So let's think about it. As you have, therefore, opportunity, let us do good unto all men. And I'll read the rest part of that verse in a second, but let's put those two. 
As you have, as you have therefore opportunity, do you ever have an opportunity to do good? It says, let us do good to all men. If you have an opportunity to do good, and here's the key, and this is why this all goes together. So you got to get all these lessons together. Remember when I talked about being sensitive to the Holy Spirit? It's the backdrop for all of this. So how do I know when to do good? Because the Holy Spirit's going to say, hey, do that. The Holy Spirit's going to say, buy that book for this person. The Holy Spirit's going to say, hey, go help them rake their yard. The Holy Spirit, you say, well, why would he care about things like that? Because he's good. And he knows what we don't know. So he may know that the gym's overwhelmed at his house. And the Spirit may put on my heart to go rake, rake his yard. And I don't know what's going on. Look at Jim. He can, he can handle me if he wanted in two seconds. I'm scared. But maybe the Spirit put that on my heart because I know he needs something. And I need to act on that. See, this is very practical. Do good. Do good. And that's what this, it, it's when the Spirit leads, we need to do good. He says unto all men. But then he says this last phrase, this especially, especially unto them who are of the household of faith, especially brothers and sisters in Christ. Be willing to do good. He says, uh, and, and then I have notes, others should see our good works. Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and do what? And glorify your Father which is in heaven. You see, all these verses start to come together when you think about the fruit of the Spirit, but we hear that verse often. But when, when we live out the Spirit in our lives and we do good towards others, it glorifies our Father which is in heaven. And so there's a lot of people that may sit, talk about their love and talk about their Christianity, but Christianity does take action. It's good to others. And we have to show this love, and it comes from the heart of gentleness and goodness. Now let's put these two together and give an illustration, a biblical illustration, then I'm praying I'm done. And if you wanted to think of a story that is an example in the Bible of gentleness and goodness together, you go to the book of Ruth. Think about the book of Ruth. Elimelech, Elimelech, him and Naomi leave God's promised land because of a famine. They go to Moab. Shouldn't have done that, but they did. They took their two sons. While they're there, Elimelech's two sons married two Moabite women. Weren't supposed to do that, but they did. One of them's name was Ruth. Ruth began to follow them, and Elimelech ended up dying. And they left Naomi all by herself with her new, and her sons ended up dying. So now it's Naomi with her two daughters-in-law. And Naomi decides to go back to Bethlehem, Judah, and Ruth decides to continue with her. The other daughter-in-law didn't want to. And they get back and they go into this field. She's going to have to work. Her mother-in-law's a widow. She's not going to be doing it. And so she's going to have to work. And so Ruth, in a foreign land, is going to have to go. And she, it says that she happed upon the field of Boaz. Boaz is an Old Testament godly man a picture of jesus christ but when she came upon the field of boaz he first of all was sensitive to her situation she was vulnerable and he protected her she was poor and he made provision she was thirsty and he provided drink see he had the power he had the position he had everything and and she was a foreigner in a land there was other men around she could have been taken advantage of but he protected her he told everybody behind the scenes don't you dare touch her don't mess with her. And then remember what he did? You guys remember those handfuls on purpose? Remember he dropped those the wheat out for? Just made sure she had enough. 
And he told her, hey, you always got a seat at my table and you can come into my field in, with protection every time. And you've always got something to drink. You've always So he was sensitive to her needs. He was gentle to her. And he showed sympathy. He was aware of her burden. He encouraged her. He allowed her to eat with him and his servants. He commanded that the men drop sheaves. For all of this showed his gentleness and his goodness. He was kind to her and he took action in making sure that she was taken care of. Boaz is a perfect picture of gentleness and goodness. And I wonder about our class. In a society, in a world that's filled with harsh and unkindness, in our words and in our actions, are we going to be a people that are filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, gentle and kind? And when provoked by someone, are we going to react in vengeance? Or are we going to give it to God? I'm not saying you don't ever defend yourself. And I'm not saying if someone punches you in the face, you just sit there and take it. I know turn the other cheek, it's actually dealing with insults. But I don't, I don't think that, you, I don't think that you, you become a beating bag for someone. I don't think you ever, never defend yourself. But all I'm saying is this. The heart that says, I've got to get back at them, is sin. The heart that just says, hey, actually that's not how it happened. And in your gentle, kind, sweetness of lips phrase... You may push back a little bit, and if it doesn't go any farther, then you leave it up to God. You see, this living by the fruit of the Spirit doesn't make you a doormat for everybody to walk over you. That is the opposite of Bible. Jesus wasn't a doormat for people. Remember those money changers in the temple? He wasn't a doormat for them. But what, but what it is, if you truly get what I'm trying to talk about, is you're going to know that line when you say, if I go any farther, I'm going to be in my flesh. You know when to move forward, when the Spirit's saying, hey, you move forward right here. But you know, I, I, can't, I can't take another step. I can't say another word. I feel myself, I, I use this terminology a lot, getting in the flesh, and I need to stop and walk away. I think we were joking yesterday, even our drive down to Nashville or something. I don't remember what it was now. We were just joking. I said, all right, is that the flesh speaking? Or is that, or I said something like that, just us joking, because of the series, we're just talking about, and she wasn't mad. I was saying in a joking way. But we were just, we're talking about this series, thinking about this truth, because it is so practical day to day. So, which team are we going to be on this week? Team long-suffering, gentle, and goodness? Or are we going to be quick-tempered, harsh, and mean this week? I hope and pray that we choose to walk in the Spirit and see the, the latter or the former in, in our lives this week. Let's pray.